A stu stu Studio D production. No, okay, from the very first moment that I met him, I know, I know it's on purpose. And he said motherfucker the other day in class. <gasps> How old and I is had he? To, he's like six. <laughs> oh, I've heard worse from four-year-olds, but <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, yes it's um, not okay. And then he, as soon as I was like, we're going to have a good day, he looked me dead in the eyes and said, no, we're not. And then ran off and started banging on the drums. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I guess we won't have a good day. <laughs> I, I think he really should have said, no, you're not. Because I think he I think was he having a good day. day. A great day. Sit down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. Sorry, they, they're just... It's effed up. doing something different with the intro and I need y'all just to work on your improv skills and go with it. Okay. Ooh, yes. And, and I'm hoping that I do. I'm ready. Good, hoping I do yes. a good job. Okay. No, you never, please. <laughs> you hey, never wrong. say, you never say no in improv. In improv you yes. Always say yes. And I will add my own flair. I'm ready. I'm like, I'm so, so bad I'm like at so improv. nervous. I'm so nervous Kelly about this. Kelly looks so excited. I know and I'm so bad at improv. I usually get, <laughs> I, I think it's because what I have learned is it's my anxiety. I didn't know in college that I was bad at improv because of my anxiety, but I know now. But I, this is a safe space, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm very nervous. Right. I'm Ooh, very Salem nervous. Is super okay, ready? Okay. Yes. Hola, todos. Bienvenidos a la EFTA family story time. Soy Salem. Soy Dora. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> y aquí hoy tenemos a Kelly. Hola, amigos. Y Jess. Andale. <laughs> Buenos dias. Como están todos? How's everyone doing today? Bien, bien. Yay, I did it. Me amo Yay. no es Dora. Me amo I know I Hannah. sound like fucking Dora. <laughs> I know I do. No, no, no. I, I was making a joke because... Because it was Spanish. Like a I'm learning thing Spanish. Where people are doing Dora voices. I worked really funny. hard to learn. That, that. was great. I was learning Spanish, and I and why did you want to speak in Spanish? Well, I wanted because. to speak in Spanish because I went to Mexico, Yay! and it was amazing. Yeah. It was really amazing. And now I really do want to learn to speak Spanish, and so I have been actually practicing like the basics with podcasts and stuff. But nice. I learned. I learned mm -hmm. specifically our introduction. In honor of Mexico and what a wonderful vacation we had and how wonderful the people were there. And it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Nice. You know, I'm going to say something that is moderately embarrassing because you guys are talking <laughs> about Dora. I watched the Dora movie. I liked it. James <laughs> wanted to watch it. I don't know why we never did. I would have watched it. It was fun. Like, and they did a... Basically, they made the girl crazy and she has hallucinations and that's why she, that's sees, how she sees the sees monkey <laughs> and swiper that's but uh i enjoyed it i watched it with uh grandma and grandpa i watched it at their house one weekend <laughs> when we were there that's funny <laughs> sounds like something dad would like <laughs> it's swiper no swiping it's a fun jungle adventure i do, i have to say that when i was practicing this yesterday i totally felt like i sounded like dora in my head but then <laughs> so then you were offended when hannah said no well i also have some underlying childhood trauma from when we moved to the neighborhood over uh, there in that mm -hmm. house and there were so many um latinx 
I don't know. They were called Mexicans back then, but um, <laughs> they Hispanic. probably still could be called Mexicans if they came from Mexico. Yeah. If they came from Mexico. But, but I mean, Latinx was, is a nice all-inclusive or, term. I thought it was Latinx. It's Latinx. Because uh, like Latino, hear, Latina. Most people I hear say Latinx. Latinx. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've um, also heard I like, though that that's a very white thing to do, and that a lot of actual like Latin people don't really care for it. Yeah, but I because it's that, like the Westernization of their language. They just rather um, be Latino because the Hispanic. the I've even heard a lot of like non-binary and trans Latin people like don't prefer Latinx. It's because like the yeah. masculine and feminine aspects of their language are one so ingrained in their language and two Mm -hmm. not the way we view masculine and feminine it's very different right however so for a while i was like oh i'm gonna say latinx and then there was this research study that came out that said that actually only three percent of latino people want to use that term so then i was like i'm not using it but then now i am interacting with more very young Mm. latinx people and just had a in uh, an interview with one the other day who identified herself as Latinx. And so now I, I, I think it really is just like disability, which we talk about person yeah. first versus identity first. Mm-hmm. It's about who you're engaging with, knowing that you need to be a little flexible and honoring what people choose to identify as. Well, yeah. so what do you do when you're talking to a broad audience? That was another thing like, yeah. Yeah. hola, todos, everyone. <clears throat> Todas, if you're talking to women. Todos, if you're talking to men. But if I'm addressing an audience of everybody, I did a lot. I did research on this yesterday. Yeah. I wanted to masculine. be correct. Mm-hmm. You do the masculine yeah. because so that is that, their language, though. That, yeah, and, and that's that, where they and don't. That's where I want to do. I want to. I want to speak Spanish in the way they speak Spanish. I don't want to yeah. speak Spanish like some white American trying right. to speak Spanish. I want to actually learn the language and the nuances and their, of it and culture. do it correctly yeah. and oh. honor their culture. I still will always have my white girl accent. And that's what I was going to say. It was about my trauma. Yeah. When I went to that oh, yeah. school, we had to do bilingual and I was really excited to learn Spanish because mom knew Spanish and she would talk to me in Spanish and she taught me a couple of Spanish songs and stuff. Uh, and I just always, I thought it was cool. I was going to learn. And I had, I had no choice to be in the bilingual program. And, but then my teacher who I just admired her, I loved her. She said in like when we were doing our group Spanish in her class, cause I would go to another classroom sometimes too, but she said something about how, oh, I, I had the whitest accent that she's ever heard. And <laughs> she said it in a way that like, I think she thought it was like cute, yeah. but it was just embarrassing to me. And it just like, so then I didn't want to speak Spanish for a long time. I would like, I learned a fair amount, but I wouldn't speak it. That's such an experience that's so, so common for children and people who come to this country with their mm-hmm. native language. And it's so, so challenging. And the way that we respond to them and, and uh, accept them can really impact their comfort in speaking in English. Mm-hmm. And it took me like the whole week to get comfortable speaking down there. Yeah. Like, cause I know certain things in Spanish and it took me like a whole day to start saying hola to people instead of hello and buenos dias instead of good morning mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And then when we went to dinner, um, the waiter wanted to know what our room number was. And George was like, it's 8613. He's like, no, in Espanol. And so George is like, he's like, oh, and I was like, ocho, seis, uno, tres. And he's like, yes, si, (laughs) gracias. And so then every time anybody would ask our room number, I started saying it in Spanish. And then by the time we checked out, I said, ochente, trece, which is 86, Mm. 13. And the lady's like, oh, you speak Spanish? And I was like, oh, ochente, trece is 86 86, or 80, 13. 
Not to point out if you were saying it wrong those last No, I said it right twenty, then it's venti uno, venti dos. Yeah, no, I just said it. I said it right there. I just said it incorrectly. I just said it incorrectly here. Uh, my experience there, which I don't know if it would be the same here, but I have a feeling it probably would be, especially if you're dealing with families that are primarily Spanish speaking in this English speaking culture that we're in. They appreciated the effort. Yeah. They they didn't laugh. They didn't make fun. They smiled often. I mean, like, oh, gracias, hola and gracias. Everybody said that by the time they left yeah. from vacation. Yeah. But if I said buenos dias or buenos noches, and now I know buenas tardes, which is good, good afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> so next time we go, I can use that one. But <laughs> I'm just... I... I think the effort is, is good. When I went to Mexico, because I know a little bit, I mean... Mom put me in the bilingual class from kindergarten yeah. on, and then I quit Spanish because I can't roll my R's and I was embarrassed. But anyway, <laughs> so I understand quite a bit, but when I went, I was so nervous that I just kept saying the wrong things and looked really stupid. Like, <laughs> oh, no. went down, we were going on a... Um, a tour and, you know, down to catch the shuttle that we're taking, and and the guy asked how I was like he said como estas and I went bueno and I'm like no that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm like and I immediately went, no 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 bien <laughs> like I just looked like... I would say bueno though if somebody said that to me now I'd say bueno because I wouldn't know that that's wrong bien. they both are good yeah. but in, yeah. different, in different different contexts different and that's now. what yeah. I'm learning and I was just and he just laughed he's he said and he's like I forget what he said, but he's like, good job, basically. Like, <laughs> You're I'm trying. Like, that's what... I got nervous. <laughs> and I think that's a really good point that Salem made. And it's something I learned when we first traveled to Europe when I was in college, that anywhere you go where there's a different language, if you can come in and say, buongiorno or bonjour, and then be able to say whatever English is in their language, then people are immediately more willing yeah. to interact yeah. with you because yeah. you're trying. So if you just come in and say, you know, hola, um, hablo inglés, then they're going to be like, they're going to try and it's better. And so we had a really awkward interaction with a person in Paris who did not speak a lick of English and us who did not speak a lick of French using Google Translate. But it, we were laughing and we were working it out and we walked out with sandwiches. But we started by being like, hey, like we're trying, yeah. you know, we have Google Translate We're we want to buy stuff from you. Like if you come with that attitude and you yeah. say bonjour, you know, then then it's going to go better. That's like when I went to Korea and Hong Kong and all of us landed and none of us knew any Korean or any Chinese. <laughs> and it was a nightmare. And by the end of it, we all learned how to, or by the end of the time that we were in Korea, we all learned komsomira, which is just thank you. Mm-hmm. And just saying that to people at like restaurants, they were immediately like, so much nicer to us because yeah. <laughs> then we weren't just like a group of American right. tourists who yeah. refuse to learn the language to the country that they're going to. And I felt so bad afterwards. I was like, I should have, I knew I've known I was coming here for so long and I didn't even try to learn the basics. And yeah. I feel like such an entitled asshole now. <laughs> it's just five words is all you need in any yeah. language to make it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. We're here recording episode 49. Yay! Yay! We're almost to lucky number sequente. Now no. I'm sound like I'm gonna sequente, sequente, fifty. That's six. No, sesente, uh-uh. sesente, sixty. 
I looked this shit up for this I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) And the one thing I can do in Spanish is count. So this week... I am telling the story. Soy Salem is telling the story. That doesn't you just make said, sense. I am Salem is telling <laughs> the story. Telling the story. Um, so the story that I am telling is a good old fashioned haunted house story. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it is about a family, uh, Elaine Mercado, her daughters, Karen and Christine and her husband, whom she never names. Oh, that's and it is it is based on a book that Elaine wrote. It's a first person account of her experience in this house she lived in for like thirteen years. So it's just I thought it was an interesting story. So we need a good ghost story. We haven't had a ghost story in a while. The book is called Graves End: A True Ghost Story by Elaine Mercado. Graves End, like Graves End, E N D. Yes. Okay, I thought it was Graves End, and I was. Confused for <laughs> graves and what? <laughs> graves and dot dot dot. What? <laughs> worms. Worms. Graves and worms. Okay. So, fall 1982, the Mercado family, which wasn't their last name at the time, she also doesn't give that. I could have probably looked it up, but I didn't think it was important. Um, <laughs> so, Elaine's family, they're looking for a house. They've been shopping for a house for a while, but they're having a hard time finding something in their budget that will fit their family. And the husband also has a business that he had just started, and so he was looking for something where he could p- potentially put his business also. And they were living in this apartment that was, you know, the heat was horrible, it was tiny, and they hated it. So, they found this house that their realist, their realtor had chosen not to show them. They, he didn't think that it would be something they would be interested in. It was kind of run down, needed some work, um, and there were issues with it that they didn't really know about it when they went to go look at it. But they decided, like, they're not finding anything else, and it was a big, nice, big old home. So they went to look at it. They met the couple that lived there. At the entrance. And so like the first floor was a separate apartment kind of. And then, but I try to picture it in my mind. I'm not sure. I think you would went into like a foyer and went up the stairs to go to the second floor. But I think there was like a door that separated or a separate entrance into, because there was another family that lived or a couple that lived in that first floor apartment. They kept calling it the apartment. So when they met the couple that lived there, they immediately took him upstairs. And it was a beautiful, nice, beautiful home. Um, Elaine thought that it was kind of cold. There wasn't really any decoration. There was nothing on the walls. But she, you know, and there was kind of an unnerving feeling, but she just kind of figured it was because it was kind of bland and cold. And um, on the second floor, there was a living room and a dining room and a bathroom and a kitchen. And then on the third floor, there was three bedrooms. And they really liked the size. They thought that it would be great, you know, for the husband to have his business. And um, so they were asking, like, what's the problem with the house? Because it's cheap. It hasn't sold. There's obviously a problem with it. And the wife that was selling it, she kind of broke down and said it's the couple in the first floor. Like, that was her husband's uncle and aunt. And they had bought the house from them. And they refused to move out and they refused to move out like, and would tell potential buyers that we're not going to move out and would like scare potential buyers away. And so Elaine and her husband went down to talk to this couple and uh, got a tour of, and they were, 
it was crotchety old man. The wife was really old. Um, and she was off in the back bedroom just laying. Elaine recalls seeing her in the back bedroom, kind of like a tragic figure. She was kind of frail, you know. But um, they did a tour, and in that, it was like a living room, a dining room, a kitchen. It was a full apartment with a bedroom, and then attached behind that another small bedroom. That's where the old lady was laying. So, and the old man has said, we're not, I'm, we're not leaving you can't kick us out, was kind of obstinate about it. But uh, they decided to buy the house anyway because they couldn't afford anything else, and it, it was perfect for what they needed. So the family would primarily live in the first-floor apartment, and the second and third floor would be the business. So the first... The, so they were going to buy the house, and then the the, peop, the old couple who were living would then continue to rent from them? Or no, they were, they were supposed to leave. So they were going to buy the house, try and kick those people out. They yeah. would live in the downstairs apartment where the, they were living, and then the guy would have the other place for his yes. business. Okay. Yeah. So when they bought the house, the couple downstairs refused to leave, and they lived there for about 18 months while the family still rented their apartment. But finally, the couple got an apartment. They left. It was pretty amicable when they left. The family moved in. For that 18 months, the husband had had his business on the second floor, um, and nothing had happened, at least as far as he had said. But And then they lived, like, on the third floor or something while they were waiting for those old people to leave? No, they lived in—they rented their apartment until the old people left. So they oh, stayed in their apartment, yeah. I guess the old guy warned them. But Elaine, Elaine was kind of—she was a nice lady, and she really didn't want to, like, put them out on the street, and she didn't—so they were not happy about it, but they kind of let it— run its course on its own rather than push them out. So when they moved in, uh, the day they were moving in, Elaine's brother Joe had come to help move things. And there was a basement there, um, which was like had a couple oil tanks, which I'm not sure. I don't know if that was like their heat because they said when they renovated, they put in like got rid of the oil tanks and put in a an electric heater or something. So I don't know, but they had like oil takes and buckets of rusty nails and just like weird <laughs> shit like that down there. Yeah. And what you all don't have buckets of rusty nails in your basement. <laughs> I got all kinds of rusty shit in my basement. So, but, um, Joe had later said that when he was moving stuff, he was taking stuff down into the basement that he had a feeling of being watched, but he didn't want to say anything because he knew they had bought the house, that they were like moving into the house. So he didn't want to like scare him, especially if it was just his imagination. So he didn't say anything. They moved in. <laughs> they were there for a few weeks when they started, when Elaine started to feel that feeling of being watched. And it was so intense that um, she would get a tingling like between her shoulder blades and she would try to ignore it. But it would get to the point where she would have to like look over her shoulder and then she would be mad at herself because there was nothing there. But she started having this feeling more and more and it started to get more intense and to the point where she said something one day about it to her husband and her husband was just like, get a grip. <laughs> he was kind of, they didn't have a great relationship and she touches on that. I mean, she doesn't even tell and, us his name. Yeah. yeah. Can't um, be the best. <laughs> it might be because he didn't want to be named. True. She, when she finally said something to her husband, he was like, get a grip, which he was kind of a jerk. He's like, you know, you're just freaking yourself out. Get a grip, which really upset her. And they fought a lot anyway. So she kind of made a point to not mention anything else that happened. And really, the rest of the family didn't mention, didn't have any experiences. The kids didn't mention anything. She didn't really mention anything to the kids until one day 
Karen was laying on the couch and she saw her sister, Christine, walk by and into the room. So she got up to follow Christine because she wanted to talk to her or something. And when she got in the room, there was nobody there and it freaked her out. So she went running to her mom and told her what happened. And that was the first time that Elaine really thought anything might be affecting the girls. And so, but she also thought it was her imagination. She just saw, you know, denial. Everybody denied everything for a while. You know what I mean? Um, And then there was another instance uh, a few days later where, Karen was in their room. They shared that back bedroom where the old lady had been. And then Elaine and her husband had the bedroom that was like adjacent to it. And she was in their bedroom and she saw Christine standing on the chair when she went in. And so she talked to her, was chatting with her, and Christine walked into the room. That's creepy. That's really (laughs) creepy. Did they see the face of the person she thought was Christine? I don't know. They didn't Or was really... it just like a girl they saw from behind? Huh. I mean, I got the impression that she was looking at her. Why does it look like Christine? I don't know. That's kind of creepy, though, huh? Yeah. yeah. So um, Elaine was still concerned it might be her imagination. She knew that her and her husband's relationship wasn't good. They fought a lot. She thought, thought it might be stress from that. I think it's kind of funny because... It's better to think your daughter's crazy than that you might have a (laughs) a fucking ghost. I don't know. That was within the first couple of years. They would have these kinds of experiences, feeling watched. They had those two where Karen saw Christine, but then that was it as far as that goes. But then at that point, Karen talked about, I think the girls kind of acknowledged that, yeah, they sometimes felt like they were being watched too, but nobody really ever talked about it. Um, So two years after they had moved in, Um, Karen was 13. They decided to remodel the basement so that she could have, um, a room of her own because the room that her and Christine shared was pretty small and they figured she needed her own privacy. I think it's really funny. It's not really talked about in the book, but the husband had this big second floor, which was just as big as the first floor. It had a living room, a dining room, a bathroom, a kitchen, and then a big playroom on the back. And then you had the three bedrooms upstairs, but they had to make a base, like remodel the basement for the daughter to have a bedroom. I don't know. It was just kind of weird. I was wondering that too. Like, why wasn't his business on the first floor? And then the family lived on the second story. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was kind of, I don't know, making judgments here, but he seemed kind of like a selfish ass. What was his business? They never say. Hmm. Oh, this is all very shady. I know. (laughs) So anyway, they decided to remodel the basement and they hired a contractor and it was like a half bay or two thirds of the house was the basement. It wasn't huge, but they made like a little sitting room slash den down there with the TV. And then they made a bedroom for Karen and um, then like the washer and dryer were tucked in the corner. And in Karen's room was like this entrance to the crawl space, which was the rest of the um, like space of the house size of the house and it was like four feet off the ground and so it was just like this little short area that they hadn't dug a full basement in and you had to like get there was like these two doors you had that were up near the ceiling you had to get like on a chair or something to get up to crawl into it right can I just say that I feel like they're setting themselves up. Like, know, let's right? not use the third floor. Let's use the basement. Mm-hmm. Let's put an entrance to the crawl space in our daughter's room. Yeah. Like, I know. It's let's like make you're this trying huge... to craft a horror story <laughs> here. Exactly. Exactly. 
So um, Karen moved in as soon as she could, and she had her friends over right away. She really loved her room, and she was excited about it. Well, Elaine found out that the kids had opened those doors and were crawling around in the crawl space. Obviously. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, of yeah, course. course. <laughs> right? she, you said she was 13, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. I mean, I would, right? I mean, come on. I wouldn't but, now, but when I was 13, I would have. <laughs> I probably would now, too. I mean, if I moved into a house and there were, like, these doors to oh, a crawl space, yeah. I would at least open it and look right. inside. I might not crawl inside because it's dirty and full of spiders. I'd get but Evie to crawl inside. I would definitely. I'd call Evie over. Definitely, <laughs> I would definitely get a flashlight Not and a look around in there. Hell, would Evie get in a cross? I don't space. think she would either. So Elaine didn't put two and two together, but at the same time that those doors had been open for the first time since they'd lived there, which was like two years or more, the activity started to ramp up. So they, let they the released spirit. the ghost. Yes. I mean, like. I would check it out, too, if I bought a house. I'd look and see what it is. But I wouldn't crawl around in it. Dumb kids. But what? kids would. Like, it just exactly. makes perfect sense to me that 13-year-old kids yes. would dare each other enough totally. until they're crawl all in the there. Space. Oh. What's the game that Charlie plays with um, Frank in... And always sunny night crawlers. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> they're just playing night crawlers underneath the house. <laughs> so gross. Um, anyway, the activity started to increase. Elaine started to feel like she was being watched so intently, and like feel this foreboding presence that she would like move from room to room. She could only stay in one room for a short period of time before the feeling got so intense that she would like leave the room and go to the, like from the dining room to the kitchen. And then she'd be in there for a little while and then she'd go into the living room and then she'd be there in there for a while. And then she'd go into her bedroom, you know? And, um, she also started to hear footsteps going, um, Footsteps going down the basement stairs when no one was around and um, they were like heavy, purposeful footsteps when she knew nobody was in the house. The activity didn't happen every day and it didn't happen like every time she was alone. So but it was often enough that she was starting to become very uncomfortable just being in the house anytime. And then one day, the girls came running upstairs. They had been in the crawl space. This is when Elaine discovered that they had been mucking around in the crawl space. But they came up with this uh, old lantern that was like red glass and um, rusted metal. That's so fucking haunted. <laughs> no shit, right? <laughs> and um, lantern like that. And so when, she, when Elaine went downstairs... She saw that the crawl space doors were open, like wide open, and there was like this kind of rotten smell coming oh. from the crawl space. So she shut the doors and yelled at the kids, was like, don't open the fucking doors. I'm sure she didn't say that because this is back in the 80s. Maybe she did, but... I mean, Dad was the would've. F word not invented until after well, the moms 80s? did not often <laughs> say it to their kids. I don't think as much as maybe uh, moms do nowadays. Maybe. Or maybe just me. I don't know. No. I don't know how I much the grandma say the F word to you. Never. Never. All right. So over this time, Karen's attitude after she had moved into the basement, Karen's attitude started to change. She became more remote and she actually started locking herself in her bedroom. And, teenager? Yeah. And that's what Elaine thought. She thought, you know, she's a teenager. It could just be her. But it was odd behavior. 
So Elaine started to talk to Karen pretty openly about how she felt about the basement and the fact that she really didn't like being there. She didn't want Karen sleeping down there. Elaine really hated going down there. She got to a point where she started taking her laundry to a laundromat. Even though she had initially been so excited to not have to go to a laundromat, she started using a laundromat again and spending money because she didn't want to go down in the basement to do her laundry. And so she really didn't want Karen sleeping down there, but Karen insisted. She was like, no, um, she admitted that she felt the same kinds of feelings that Elaine did, but it, she just ignored him and it didn't bother her. And she didn't understand why her mom was so scared. That was one thing she always like, I don't understand why you're so scared of this. I don't, you know, and she just didn't have a problem with it, I guess. But then there was one day that Elaine went down to do the laundry and she heard, um, Karen in her room doing the rosary and Elaine, they had not raised their family religious cause Elaine had come from a really strict religious family and she didn't want kind of like mom and dad didn't really want to impose those restrictions on her kids. So she wasn't even sure where she had learned the rosary, but she decided to ignore it. But she noticed that every day Karen was doing the rosary and so finally one day she went down there and she peeked through the keyhole and she saw her sitting on the bed and she said she looked really scared. So she knocked on the door because she was worried about her. And Karen at first was like, you know, of course, why are you fucking spying on me, mom? Mm -hmm. But um, but she she told her she looked scared. And Karen said, no, I'm not scared. I just want to protect myself from the dreams that she's having. And in the dreams that she's having she she like knows that her cat emow was the cat's name because that's the sound it would make when it would, would meow go emow so cute <laughs> that's my favorite part of this they, story so far they rescued the cat off of um the street so but in the dream she like knew that emow was there to protect them from unwanted spirits and that Aww. she was also there to protect them from the red cat uh, shortly after that elaine started to notice that chris and karen were also switching rooms pretty frequently like she was and so she kind of assumed that they were also having, because they had both admitted to having that being watched feeling. Wait, who's Chris? Christine. Oh, Chris. Oh, I'm that's sorry. Her, her nickname? Yeah, okay. they call her Chris. Sounds like they're really good at disrupting the uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for like five minutes, right? <laughs> so, and this is about when Elaine started having sleeping problems. So she started to experience what sounds a lot like sleep paralysis, but she, she also was like in college at this point in time, she eventually became an ER nurse, went to school for that while they were living in this house. And she'd also taken some psychology classes and she'd experienced sleep paralysis before. And she was familiar with what it was. And she insists that this was not sleep paralysis, but she would awake and she would be paralyzed, but she would be fully awake like fully aware and she would feel this pressure on her but the pressure would become so intense she would actually see the indentation of her body press into the bed i'm gonna say that still might be sleep paralysis because sometimes james has like very vivid like he feels like he's awake sleep paralysis yeah yeah she insists <laughs> that it wasn't and she insists that she could see the in impression the indentation of her body being pressed into the bed and this would happen to her three to four times a week and then Damn, and then it scary. would go months without it happening at all and then it would come back and start happening frequently 
Shortly after this started, initially started happening, Karen awoke screaming. Elaine ran down to find her in her bed, and her bedspread and sheets had been pulled off of the bed, and the bedspread was laid perfectly in a square on the floor, not a wrinkle in it. And Karen was screaming that she had seen the sheets being pulled off of her, and she had felt this presence before it happened. Um, but Karen still insisted on sleeping downstairs. Uh, Elaine went to her husband because she was worried. And he said, don't scare her. You're putting thoughts into her head. If she wants to sleep in her room, she can sleep in her room. He's such a jewel mm-hmm. of a human being. Isn't he? Sounds like a great I hope this father. ghost kills him. <laughs> That's a bit oh, damn. Harsh. I, I think you took there. it too far. Too I think far. it was a little too far. A little too far. <laughs> I hope this ghost maims him. One of those times where you say something before you think about what you're saying. <laughs> I just hope the ghost scares him and he pees his pants. How about that? Oh. No maiming. Okay. No. That sounds, that sounds pretty, pretty good. I have a question. Sure. Did it say anything about whether or not the old couple who was living there before ever experienced anything? No. And there is um, a point where she calls, because there was a younger couple that lived upstairs that actually owned the house. And she did end up calling that lady um, towards, like, they lived there for like 13 years. Or I think they maybe still even live there. But um, at this point, it had been like 10 years she contacted them to say, like, did you have any weird experiences? And the lady was really like immediately, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why you're calling me and was really abrasive. So obviously kind of triggered something, but she was like, I'm not going to call her again, you know? And I don't think they ever asked the old people. I imagine they were no I'd, longer living. I mean, they were after like after 10 years since the, yeah, the house. <laughs> they, I mean, she described him as being like in their nineties, kind of old, who, who's to say if he, they didn't experience shit, but everybody did, would deny stuff. Nobody wanted to accept it. Well, you know? Who gets that angry if somebody calls you and says, hey, when you lived in this yeah. house, who gets that mad? Yeah, I feel like that's a person trying to avoid facing the, that themselves. Yeah, that's my thought. So... At this point, um, yeah, Karen was still sleeping downstairs. Guests would come over and say they felt uneasy or watched alone in the house. They had a hard time sometimes getting people to want to come over if they thought we were going to be alone or it was going to go late. And then Elaine finally confided in her brother, Joe. And he, like, confessed that he had had that weird feeling and they often had other, at other times had had feelings where he was being watched or he felt a presence in the room. So he absolutely kind of validated everything. Like, even though the kids validated it, like Chris never really said a whole lot about what she experienced. And Elaine questions whether she experienced a lot. She does like it's when she's seven admit to like feeling watched and stuff, but she doesn't have any of the other kind of experiences. When she's seven. When Chris is seven. Oh, why did I think Chris is older than Karen? No, Karen's like 13 and Chris was like seven at that okay. time. They're they're like pretty far apart in age. Okay. So, but she had validation from Joe and um, that gave her kind of like the strength to talk to her therapist about it too. She'd been going to therapy for a while. And so she confessed in her therapist about it and he recommended get some knowledge on what's happening he's like i don't know what i believe about ghosts but you know he like didn't think she was crazy so he's like if something was going on in my house i would want to find out more about it so maybe do some research read 
other people's experiences and stuff like that. And so she decided to take a class on parapsychology at the college where she had gotten her nursing degree. In this class, she heard other people's experiences and she started to kind of like feel like she was less of a freak and feel a little bit more able to talk about it and not feel like she had to hide it all the time from people. But um, the and then when she wrote her final paper about her house, the professor was really interested and he wanted to like help her, he said. But what he wanted to do was write a book. And so she got really upset and was like, I don't want to be exploited. And so she was frustrated at that point. Um, and so she was talking to her, her brother, Joe, about it. Actually, I think um, it was when he had come over on a date with his girlfriend. But all of this kind of led her to seeking out a parapsychologist and a medium to come and do something at the house. So I think that was kind of where the seed was planted that eventually led to them getting help. So at this point, I think we will take a break. There are still more crazy things that happen, and then we can go into what happens with the medium and stuff. But what do you guys think so far? Is it a good uh, ghost story? What I wonder, if both Elaine and Karen thought they saw Chris, do you think Chris ever saw herself? It was just Karen horrifying. that saw Chris. Oh, why did I think Elaine did Because too? Karen ran out to her mom, Elaine, oh, and okay. was like, but this just happened and it really freaked me out. But Maybe Chris never talked about it because she saw herself. Maybe she did. I also wonder if Karen <laughs> just tried to make it make sense in her right. brain as a young That's child. Me. Like the time when I saw something and I thought it was Salem. I said, Salem? Right. And it faded yeah. away. Well, She's trying to justify it or whatever, yeah. And I think like when they moved in... If Karen moved into the basement two years after they moved in and she was 13, that means that she was 11 when they moved in. And so that means Chris was like five when they moved in, or at least when they bought the house or, you know what I mean? So that's young enough that if you have that experience happening around you frequently and nothing bad really happens to you because of it, it may just kind of become like a normalcy. So you don't freak out about it as much as like Elaine, who's in her thirties and never experienced anything ever and was yeah. raised pretty Christian and is like, what the fuck is going on? And so she's terrified. So it kind of explains why the girls were a little bit more accepting of it. And they didn't talk about it. Usually it was like Elaine that would bring it up and they'd be like, oh yeah, we feel that whatever. Oh yeah. That Isn't happens. That just like life and the, <laughs> yeah, the weight no of shit. the world. Like, what? Whatever. Well, that is, I guess, where we'll take our break. Anybody else have anything to say? No. Nope. I would like to say. I've been listening really well to this story, though. I'm yeah. praising myself, but that's also you praising <laughs> you. I think oh. it's an engaging story because I haven't been like looking down, except for at the except for at the very end when I tried to do what Hannah's doing over there with poking. And, it looks fun, but it wasn't fun. Not so for no, Kelly, not for you. No. All right. Well, we can jump back into the story. Um, I'm kind of going to go back a little bit. I'm not sure. I think I might have jumped over a couple things before um, we went to break. So we're going to go back to when Elaine started to have the experiences with the sleep paralysis, if that's what it was. And uh, that happened, three, like I said, three to four times a week, but then sometimes it would stop for months on end. And that happened for about a year before she actually spoke up about it. Mm -hmm. When she did, she was at breakfast and she'd had a really bad night the night before. 
and she told the family what she'd been experiencing. And Karen said that she had also been experiencing the same thing almost every night. Then it would stop for a while. Uh, she said she wasn't scared, and she didn't know why Elaine was so scared. That was something that she Jeez, would... mom. Yeah, I don't know why you're so afraid of that. I mean, but I think at 13... I would be a little scared if I was having yeah, sleep paralysis yeah. dreams. Like, we can blow a lot off on, like, other oh, kids, they do stuff. But I'm pretty sure I'd be scared. Yeah, that's Especially seems scary. with some of the other stuff that's happened in the house. You know? Seems like she should be scared even for her age. Or at least maybe not so flippant. I could, yeah. Like, don't be scared. I don't recommend anybody right. be scared if they're in a... I don't blame you if you are, but don't be scared because that can often fuel the right. situation and it and it takes away your control. Whatever you... Whatever control you may have over the situation is taken away as soon as you... That fear takes over you, right? So, but I don't think she should have been so flippant about... And she should have understood, like why her mom was scared. Right. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like, yeah. not been like, I don't know why you're so scared. Like, duh, because some <laughs> fucking presence is pressing me into the bed every fucking night. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. And so when it, Elaine asked her when it started, she said that it was um, when she moved down into the basement was when it started. And so Elaine again wanted her to move upstairs, but she refused. And so then that's when she told her brother. And then that's when she told her therapist and, and, um, which initially led to her getting, it took a while for them to find a medium or even to come to the conclusion to actually look for one. It was kind of like, we should do this. They talk about it, you know, but actually doing it, I guess like, where would you even find one? Well, that's what I was going to say. Like in the eighties, you didn't just open the yellow pages to the mediums section. Poltergeist though. Isn't that literally what they did in Poltergeist? Didn't they sit down at the table with the phone book? I think they did. I was going to say, if you did, like who's going to trust the advertisement (laughs) in the middle of the yellow pages that says like, contact me if you have a dead spirit in your house. Like, but yeah, so now we could just Google it and I'm sure we would find with reviews. That's right. the key. If well, you Google but, it, you're going to find kooks. But nowadays we have reviews. Right. But like in the 80s, what did you do? Like, you know what I mean? Word like, of mouth. Just ask around. <laughs> anyone know a good medium? Has anyone else <laughs> lived in a haunted house? Because I think I do. <laughs> I'm sure that would go over real well. And they'll Why? say, did you watch Poltergeist recently? <laughs> Maybe it's not true. I was trying to look it up, but I can't apparently type a coherent sentence on my phone right now. So uh, <laughs> we're going to move on. Why Why is it got to be a medium and not a large? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like It's you a grande, were like, Hannah. It's a grande. She just I, like waited. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you were like putting that one together in your mind. You were like, why? And no. then like seconds go by. And I had it. I've had ready. it for a while, but I just didn't have the opportunity to say it. Well. I had to shove it in there. <laughs> I think well, you're cut good. off. That was good. <laughs> no, I liked off. it. I thought that was Hannah's better Do joke. Do you prefer a small Jess? Like, <laughs> like that was a that was a totally a an uncle joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're just gonna kind of run through some more experiences that they had, somewhat in succession over the years that they're there. So. The sleeping problem, the sleep paralysis was really affecting Elaine because Karen, when when she would have it, she was able to go back to sleep. So it didn't really 
cause her to lose that much sleep. But Elaine couldn't. As soon as that happened, she couldn't go back to sleep. So she was having a hard time. She was an ER nurse. She was having a hard time doing her job because she was so tired. So she ended up switching her schedule to a graveyard shift because then she could sleep during the day. And it seemed like it didn't happen as often during the day. Um, there was one day that Karen came home from school and she had a fish tank. She had a love of animals. So she had a fish tank and a gerbil in her, in her, uh, room. (laughs) (laughs) I love rodents. (laughs) And, uh, one day she came home and she found that the lid to her fish tank had been taken off the top of the fish tank and it was on the floor and the carbon filter had been like, what it was on her bed, but it wasn't just laying on her bed. It had been like pressed and smeared into the sheets and the bedspread. And Karen like came home, saw it and screamed and Elaine came down and like nobody could have done it. Nobody would have done that. Was but the was the gerbil okay? okay? <laughs> and then there was well, another night. Were the fish dead? The fish were okay. okay. I mean, they didn't say anything about the fish being dead. It was just the lid had been removed and the Wait, filter so had been had taken Wait, so she had a fish tank. I thought she had a gerbil in the fish and tank. And a fish tank. She had both. Okay. Oh, I thought you I said thought she you had a fish tank with a gerbil I, in I it. I thought you were just calling the aquarium a fish tank. No, yeah. No, no. She had and I was wondering why she tank. still had a carbon filter <laughs> for her gerbil. <laughs> I get, That's a good question. I get it now. So she had a fish tank. The lid was removed, but the fish were probably okay. Okay. Yes, the fish oh. were okay. At least they didn't say they weren't. <laughs> and then there was a, another time. It was at night. She awoke, felt a presence in her room, awoke to see her gerbil cage hovering over her head. <gasps> and it hovered there for a few seconds and then fell on her head. And she had, Elaine says, you know, she didn't witness it. This was Karen's testimony, but she had a visible abrasion on her head from where the, the gerbil, I don't know if the gerbil was okay. I don't know what happened. They didn't say. Sorry. I'm assuming he was okay. She probably caught him and he was fine, but I I don't know. Caught him with her face. I mean, if he was in the cage, he would have just slammed against the Well, I mean, I'm I'm guessing the cage broke apart. Maybe it didn't. Uh But he lives in the crawl space now. (laughs) So um, that was another thing that happened. (laughs) Running away from the red 40 years later. (laughs) And then there was this time that Karen witnessed somebody jumping on her bed, but she could not physically, like visibly see anybody, but she could hear the springs creaking and see the indentation in the bed like somebody was jumping on it. So it's a fun ghost. <laughs> All of this stuff happened up to multiple. So now we're up to 1988. So she's been in the basement for two years. They bought the house in 1982, moved in in 1983 ish. Wait, what? So they moved, they bought the house in 1982. They moved in around 1983 because that old couple was uh-huh. still in the house. And now it is 1988. Karen's been in her bedroom for about two years. So she moved in 1986. Okay. I, I heard 83 and two years, and now it's 88. And I was like, what? Because in- she didn't move into her basement <laughs> gotcha. bedroom right away. They lived gotcha. there a little I was over- wondering why you were having such a hard time with these numbers. <laughs> they lived there a little over two years before she moved into the basement. Okay. Got and it. then a okay. little over two years, <laughs> she's been in the basement. So in 1988, this is when they started to smell this rotten meat smell it's in the, the dining room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, at this point they started to smell this rotten meat smell in the dining room. It usually seemed like it was coming from along the floorboards, but then sometimes the smell would be that of 
freshly cut roses. Oh. So that sounds demonic to me. I don't know. Maybe not. Crazy that it can go from smelling like rotten meat to roses. To roses. That's very demonic-esque. And it didn't smell all the time. So... And then uh, Karen started to see what she called the mist, which was she described as a seven foot tall, about the width of a person, just misty form that would walk past her door while she would be in her room. And so she mentioned it to Elaine and she really wanted Elaine to see it. So Elaine started spending time in the basement with, with Karen. She would go down there and like do laundry and hang out in her room or like help her with her homework. And they would talk. And it was really a good bonding experience. Cause like Karen said, she couldn't predict it didn't happen like at the same time. So she just kind of had to hang out down there and it actually took several weeks of her hanging out down there before she saw it. Maybe a teenager was just really crying out for time with their mother and didn't know how to ask. <laughs> it could be. It could be. But she did see it. She did oh, see oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she explains when she saw it, the experience being that um, she started to feel like that feeling of a presence. And then Emau started, uh, started acting weird behaving funny and um then she saw the mist go by and then the cat chased it <gasps> get it you yeah know? get it then uh, so after elaine um saw the mist she tried to share it with her husband but he didn't believe her he was an adamant like nothing is going on like nothing is happening i fully thought you were gonna say he was an asshole <laughs> <Me too. laughs> He's like an adamant nothing <laughs> i did too hannah <laughs> So then there was a night when Elaine was sitting on the couch in the living room and she saw a ball of light go across the ceiling. And she turned to the girls and she was like, did you see that? And they laughed and said, yes, we've been seeing them for a while. We were wondering how long it would take for you to see them. So I don't know if that means that they were seeing them while she was there or it's just that if it was happening when she wasn't around, I didn't get that. But it's like... Why didn't you? I don't know. I guess they're just Kids so used. Weird. Yeah, I know. I'm getting like a Children of the Corn vibe off. Like of they're them. so used to this shit happening. They just thought it was cool. The balls of light would just go along the ceiling, like in this one area, like through the living room into the dining room, and there was no feeling of like ill intent. They never. It was almost like they were on a pattern, so they weren't really very scary. It was just another phenomenon that happened in the house. So I think the girls just like they actually. Elaine said that it was very pretty. They were actually beautiful you know so they started to see that and it kind of increased with intensity and like frequency and then there were times when they would appear at dinner but the husband would be at dinner he would either not acknowledge them if he saw them or he didn't see them elaine didn't know which but she never pressed it because he was just always mean about it you know things still continued to amp up karen started sleeping on the couch and this is when Elaine started going to the laundromat. So, like, they never wanted to be in the basement. And around this time is when the husband decides that he wants to move the business outside of the home. So he rents a space. It takes, like, three weeks for them to move all of the stuff out. But that's when Karen moves up to the third floor. She gets the whole third floor. And then... Which, like, she should have had in the first place. Like, what business needs three bedrooms? Yeah. And a dining room and a kitchen? Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> it is weird. Maybe they were offices for people. Maybe, yeah, maybe okay. they were offices. Okay. Because, right. I, I mean, Being the bedrooms, logical. they didn't seem like they were very big. And there was nothing else on the top floor. It was just the bedrooms. So, okay. um, I mean, I kind of get it. But I also feel like with all the activity, he could have had offices down 
and mm-hmm. he could have had somebody's office in the basement. Mm-hmm. Fucking make your worker deal with the goddamn ghost, not your child. <laughs> right? right. You know? Yes. But, um, I mean, you're paying him at least. So, <laughs> um, pay him a little extra for working in the, ha- in the haunted room. You get a ghostly bonus. Yes. <laughs> so, so at this point they move out. Karen takes the third floor. Christine moves to the playroom on the second floor. And at this point, the husband takes that front room on the second floor and makes it his bedroom because their marriage hasn't been great. And I think that Elaine, she doesn't say it in the book, but I get the impression that she was kind of like, maybe I fucking wanted to move out of this bedroom where I get suffocated at night, but okay. I mean, there are three bedrooms on the third floor and i, I appreciate yeah. giving a teenager space but she could have had one of those bedrooms well it turns Elaine out really wanted to move out she could have, it yeah. turns out it didn't matter anyway it didn't matter where you slept in the house okay we're, we'll, we'll go into that because i'm getting out of order so <clears throat> before moving out of her room karen had a friend over maria who had come over often and really not talked about experiencing things but she had a hard time getting friends to come over and like stay the night and shit <laughs> because they had experiences but uh, Maria and Karen were down in the basement. Nobody else was home. They heard the front door open and close, and they heard, like, booted footsteps walk from the front door over to the top of the basement stairs. So they came upstairs, and there was nobody there. And so they freaked out royally, ran outside, ended up going down the block to Maria's house, telling their dad what had happened. So he came back to the house. He's like, I'll go check it out, right? Comes to the house. The front door is unlocked. All of the lights in the house are on. And so he goes in, checks the whole house, and the only lights that should have been on were, I think, the basement light and then, like, the living room light was all that Karen said she had on. But anyway, he turns all the lights off except for the front porch light, locks the door, goes back to his house, tells the girls everything looked fine. So they kind of take their time getting around, going back over there. They go back to the house, and the front door is unlocked. And all of the lights in the house are on. So at this point, they're freaked out, but they don't want to go tell Maria's dad because he was kind of flipping about it. Didn't really believe that it could have been any kind of like ghost or anything. So they just sat on the front porch and waited for Elaine to come home from work. So why were they in the basement if she moved to the third floor? It was before. It was shortly before. It was while they were still moving all of the husband's stuff out. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. So I I may not have made that very clear. Um, Okay. I don't know. You know, the husband's a pretty big dick. <laughs> Do you think he could be gaslighting them? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he could be. I got gaslit by a bug that last well, a week ago. So <laughs> <laughs> anything's possible. All right. So one day after the husband had moved his office, he was at work and Elaine heard this loud banging. The girls were there too. They heard this loud banging and it was like, in a sequence of three, bang, bang, bang. And then there would be a pause and then bang, bang, bang. And it was like heavy, sounded like somebody was like picking up a, a couch and dropping it on the floor, kind of sound thud almost. And it kind of went on for a while and Elaine couldn't take it anymore. And she called her husband and was like, you have to come home now. You have to get home now. So he comes home. He's kind of pissed off. He's like, I have to be at work. I can't leave work. And she's like, just come inside and listen. And he stood there for a while, you know, like nothing's happening. He's getting ready to leave. And then it bang, bang bang and so 
he heard it. He acknowledged that he heard it and um, sounded like it was coming from the second floor. So they all, she jokes about how they like all huddled together, all four of them on the stairs behind him going up the stairs to look around to see what it is. Nothing's out of place. Nothing looks like it's been moved. They can't find anything that would have made that noise. So they go back downstairs and it happens again. And it continues to happen until finally the husband, like with pauses in between, until the husband's finally like, I got to go back to work. Like, I don't know what it is. And so he leaves. And then it continued to happen throughout the day, like kind of tapering off and then never happened again. Weird shit, huh? I gotta go back to work. I don't know what this is, but I'm just gonna leave you here to figure it out. Well, I gotta go back to work. But when you've when you've searched your house like twice and nothing has moved, you can't find the source of it. At some point, you do have to go back to work, like with your children or something. I don't know. It well, just feels they a left. Bit Elaine like, was like, we okay. didn't want to be okay. there, so we went shopping, and then that's better. But it was still happening at like dinner time, and then kind of tapered. It just off. feels like you deal with this very scary thing. Bye. Yeah, well, that's kind of how it was. I think we've established her husband's kind of a douche <laughs> i think we're filling in some gaps but i'm totally comfortable with that yeah like yeah i think that's what we've decided for the sake of this story so so it was around this time that the husband admits that he's also having suffocating dreams in his sleep and karen is still having suffocating dreams in her new room wait, upstairs so wait 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 yeah. did they just start or was he lying all that time I don't know. He I, makes it sound like they just started okay. like when he moved up to the bedroom upstairs. And he also admitted to having like a weird. Let me see if I can if I wrote it down. Some weird experience where he like felt like a woman's presence or something. Uh, OK, but um, but okay. yeah, he admits to it. But he also is like, I, it's not that bad. Just if we just ignore it, maybe it will stop. The husband admitted that he was having the suffocating dream since moving upstairs. That's what okay. I wrote down. So okay. I answered your question. Okay, so he didn't <laughs> he he didn't add to his douchebag category no, by did not. being a liar. Um, there category. was a there was a an experience where Chris was doing her homework at the dining room table and something threw water on her. She was sitting at the table, felt something water on her back. She screamed. Elaine came in and she had her whole back was wet as if somebody had thrown a glass of water on her. Was there a glass anywhere? No. And there was like, it was pee. There was like no (laughs) leaky pipes. There was nobody else around. There was the window was closed. It didn't leak. And then they had, oh, and there was another thing that they experienced where they started seeing these weird shadows that were more like along the, the lower part of the room. And Chris described them. They looked like rolled up blankets, only like fuzzy, and you could see through them. But they, again, didn't, these showed up around the same time as the ball, balls of light did, but they didn't give off any kind of fear. They never like moved towards people, always moved away if they moved closer to him. So they didn't really feel like they contributed to the negative feelings that they had in the house. But that was just another like, um, phenomena that they experienced. And then, um, after this, there was like a six month respite and nothing happened. Really? Nothing I like happened. That word respite. Ghost vacation. Ghost vacation. <laughs> so and then, um, but then after six months, it started up again. Karen started hearing growling and raspy breathing in her room. The dreams came back for everybody. Even the husband admitted to having the dreams again, um, but he refused to sell. Elaine had always kind of wanted to sell, but he was like, "No, we can't. No, we can't." 
Um, there was one weird incident where their cat, Emow, um, was like Elaine was asleep on the couch and she woke up, but she hadn't, didn't really move. And she saw the cat walk by. So she kind of was laying there not moving, watching the cat because she just kind of like seemed weird in her body language, right? She watched her and she looked like she was going from person to person into different rooms where all the people were sleeping, like she was checking on them. And then she would come to the bottom of the stairs and she would look up at the stairs like she was listening to something and then meow. And then she would go upstairs and she would come down with a piece of like the padding to the carpet. Cause they were going to put carpet up there and they laid the padding, but they hadn't put the carpet down. And she had, would have a piece of the padding and she would lay it on the floor and then she would go and do the same track again where she would like check on everybody, go to the bottom of the stairs, look up at the stairs like she's listening to something, meow, go upstairs, get a piece of the padding and lay it on the floor. And Elaine was like watching her trying to like be still so she couldn't, didn't know she was awake. And, um, she did it like five times when Elaine couldn't control herself anymore. And she like woke up Karen. She's like, be quiet, but you got to see this. And so Karen watched her and watched her do another circuit of it. And then Elaine couldn't take it anymore. And she like got up, she like broke whatever the cycle was. And she went over and looked at what the rubber that the cat was laying out. And she said that it was like three quarters of a circle. Like the cat was making a fucking pattern what with this frick? rubber shit. She should have let her finish. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but I know. the cat was going to save everyone with her damn pagan ritual. No shit. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't that fucking crazy weird shit? So fucking weird. if it's real, um, if you believe Elaine. And leave cats. I, be- I believe cats. <laughs> I do. Um, and so <laughs> after that, Emao became very protective of the family and often seemed like they were guarding them, especially if they would go up to the second floor. She would like want to accompany the girls if they went upstairs and stuff. So it was really weird. Like that whole experience even changed her like behavior in the house. And then shortly after that, oh, no, there's one more thing that was kind of weird. So not so shortly before, shortly after that, <laughs> there was a moment when somebody I can't I can't remember who experienced like a weird smell coming from the garage. And so they went to go and check it out. And they'd never really done a whole lot with the garage. They didn't really go in there much. And there was a concrete slab, but then there was a a small section behind that where it was just dirt. So like the whole garage wasn't concrete that is bizarre inside the garage there's like a pad of dirt yeah immediately a murder house immediately (laughs) yeah and the smell seemed to be coming from that area so they decided to dig they (laughs) dug and they found a bible oh oh Oh, worse (laughs) and a like a sunday palm leaf like from catholic you know how they would make like Uh the palm crosses and stuff and um, I, I mean, what did they, they keep it. digging after that? Because that sounds like to, something you put on top of a body. <laughs> they tried to keep digging, but then they like hit. I don't know if it was stone or what, something hard they couldn't get through. And so they quit digging and then they filled it back in. And they were looking at the Bible and the palm and they were like, no, that needs to go back there. So then they <laughs> dug yes, the whole yes, again it does. and put it back and then... That's the last that she talks about the garage. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's wow. And then shortly after that, they started hearing their names being whispered. No. Yeah. (laughs) That's so fucking creepy. (laughs) Kelly. 
Don't do it. Chess. <laughs> I oh my god. It's like in my ears because of the headphones, so it's Yesterday. like in my brain. Do mine. Oh, Sela. Wait, wait. Oh, that was wait. creepy. <laughs> Mommy. Oh yeah. That's even creepier. <laughs> Um, yesterday when James and I were getting food, I swear to God, I heard him whisper, turn around. (laughs) And so I turned around and I was like, why'd you tell me to turn around? And he was like, I literally didn't say anything. I didn't even open my mouth. And I was like, I fucking heard you tell me to turn around and you whispered it to me. And I was like, there's gotta be some like weird dude walking in right now. (laughs) And I want to hear about this. Uh, what are they called? Psycho educate? No, psychoanal. So parapsychologist. Yes, that's the word. That's the word. I want to hear about the parapsychologist. All right. So after shortly after the garage incident, Elaine and her husband divorced, and so he moved out. Finally, go Elaine. He moved out, and. Also around the same time, Karen went off to college. She actually spent um, a year away at college, but then she ended up coming back home because she transferred schools. Um, Elaine moved upstairs. She took over the bedroom that had been her husband's. Um, She started to feel a woman's presence at this time and then also still was having the dreams. They had discovered one thing throughout all of this, like Christy never had a lot of experiences, but she always slept in that one back bedroom downstairs. And then she slept in the playroom upstairs, which was an addition that had been added only about 20 years before, but they started to realize there had really wasn't as much activity in those rooms. There was some in Christine's room. Yeah. Well, that is something that Elaine starts doing. Um, so they continue to see things like misty figures. At one point, Joe, her brother, says, let's record. And so he brings over his video recorder and they set it up and they record. And it's like late in the middle of the night. They get this weird feeling. They see the misty presence walk by. It should have been right in front of the recorder. They go to look at it the next day and they don't see a misty figure, but there's interference at the same time that the figure would have been walking by the camera. And then... um Yeah, there was one time when Karen and Maria were walking home from school and they saw like a white clothed figure standing in the window upstairs. Mm. And then there was one time when Chris saw a figure. She was coming down the stairs and she saw someone sitting on the um, bottom of the stairs and she said he had a weird like duckbill haircut, like something a guy would have from the 50s. I don't know what a duckbill haircut is. You know, it's like where they would like comb it in the back to go to a point, I think. So at some point, Elaine had started dating a man named Matthew. And he, uh, she told him pretty early on about the stuff that was going on in the house. So uh, one night he decided to stay the night. She was kind of freaked out. She asked him to stay. And she had at this point started sleeping on the twin bed that was in that back bedroom that Christy used to have before she moved upstairs, because that's the only place she felt safe. She didn't have the dreams in there. And so she made him when he stayed, she made him sleep on that twin bed with her. She's like, I refuse to sleep in my bedroom. So they were trying to sleep on this bed, but then he, um, he was like really uncomfortable and he couldn't sleep. So he finally went in, he went into that bedroom and he laid down and, she went in there with him. She went to sleep. She didn't have any experiences when she woke up. 
she could tell like he was bugged by something. So she's like, what's wrong? And he told her that he had had a dream where he was trying to open the door to the small room, the small bedroom. And it was like open a crack, but it was really heavy and he couldn't open it. And he like had to use all of his force to like wedge it open just enough where he could get inside. And when he could see inside, there was like a flash of light and he saw a skeleton laying in the dirt with like his head to the side and like gray hair going across his face. And then um, he woke to having that heavy feeling on his chest and feeling the suffocated feeling that Elaine and, and Karen and everybody else, except for Christy, never said she felt it. She's the, the ghost only one. is just trying to get his body found. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Okay, so, and then um, after, shortly after that happened, they started to experience ghostly farts. <laughs> and I'm not joking the sound of somebody farting and then the smell of somebody farting no this is matthew (laughs) just started hanging out with this family and he is dropping farts and he is blaming it on the damn ghost and they would have like people over guests over and they would always like if it it would happen when guests were over and they would just have to like play it off because no this is someone bullshitting and using the ghost as an excuse Gaslighting. This is literal gaslighting. It's gas lighting. Gas gaslighting. Gas gas gaslighting. So, um, and then there's a night where Joe, her brother, brings over his girlfriend, Mara, for the first time. And she immediately comes into the house and, like, senses something. I mean, she immediately senses something when she comes into the house. Because I don't know if she immediately went into the house or if they walked around the grounds a little bit and showed off trees and flowers. So <laughs> That's what I do whenever anyone comes <laughs> in my, my trees and my flowers. Grab our flowers before you're allowed inside. Salem just knows the <laughs> stupid questions that we ask. And so she's trying to get ahead of it <laughs> i don't know when they went in the house it was just it when she went in. i just said it wrong um but she immediately started to feel like there was something in, weird in the house and she said she wanted to go down into the basement and she said there's a vortex Wait. from the living room going down into the basement and so so this is just random girlfriend. Yeah, she's just not, like came into the house. And she's was like, like, nice to meet you. Your house is haunted. It's really freaking I'd me like out. I'd like to go to the she, scariest place. She initially <laughs> wanted to leave, but then she's like, no, take me to the basement. Yes. Anyway. And this is what prompted finally, like they were looking for a parapsychologist and a medium. And then finally, Joe was able to get in touch with Dr. Hans Holzer who is a known parapsychologist, and medium Marissa Anderson. I know that name, Hans Holzer. I have some of his books. Yeah. So um, he came with... So they set up an appointment, but it was a little ways out. So during the waiting period in between, Elaine started to do some research on the house to try to figure out the history, see if they could get a little bit more information. She started talking to neighbors, and she did have one neighbor who said that he used to babysit at the house for the couple that lived there before, and that he had some of the similar experiences like the being watched and the smell and um, other things, and he didn't like being there, and he eventually stopped babysitting because... He was uncomfortable in the house. He also said that the history of the house that he had heard was that before the previous owners, the owners before that, 
um, their son still lived at home. He was an adult and him and his wife had gotten married and they lived upstairs in, in the, on the third floor. And the neighbor told her that it was very tragic. The story he had heard that she had died of a heart attack and then fell and hit her head or that she had had a heart attack, fell and hit her head and then died of an aneurysm. Mm-hmm. And shortly after they were married and then, very shortly after that, he, the husband, the son, husband had a heart attack. He had had a known heart condition. So that was kind of weird. Heart attack floor. Yeah, no shit. So, um, and then this sparked something with Elaine because she had had a Halloween party not too far before that. And, um, one of her friends, I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> just, no, I just haunted house for years let's have a halloween party heck yeah i'd have a halloween party every year well i already have a halloween party every year but yeah and she had a friend lorraine who had said came up to her and was like do you know your house is haunted and she's like yeah uh, of course i know my house is haunted like you live here how would you not know (laughs) um but she said she saw the ghost of a very small woman in a white dress that looked like it could have been a wedding dress like hovering under the stairs and Elaine and the girls had recently cleaned out a closet under those stairs and found a yellowed ancient, like not ancient, but old wedding dress size four little. Yeah. So all of these things are kind of coming together about like the history of the house. Another thing they found in the history was that the house had actually been moved. It had been moved like down and around the block and put on a different lot. They didn't really explain why it had been moved, but, um, and the area that they lived in, they also discovered had used to have been known as like Dutch town because that's where a lot of Dutch immigrants had moved to. So they found out a little bit of history there with that. So was it put on an old basement? Like, that's my question. Yeah, I don't know. So like, is the haunting with the basement that or is there a reason they didn't dig the entire basement out when they moved the house did they find something that they decided to cover back up and make a crawl Maybe. space on top of it like that's the thing like what yeah because like it feels like it's coming from the vortex in the basement like the one lady said mm-hmm. but like it just raises questions then like was that basement already there and was the house no longer on that foundation because they were scared. It's weird, yeah. And like some of the history, like I'm not sure when the house was moved. So I'm thinking that Stephen, because this history was coming from a neighbor, the house was there when Stephen lived there. Right. But then, like, what other shit happened in the house when it lived on this other location? Right. Where's yeah. the other lot? What's what happened there now? where? Yeah. So um, February second, nineteen ninety five. That's when Doctor Holzer and um, Marissa. Is that what I said her name was? Yes. Marissa, the medium, came and immediately the medium was drawn to the basement. And so she went down there. And by the time Elaine could get down there, she had had the cellar doors open and was like sitting in the cellar, kind of hunched over because she couldn't sit uh, erect. And it, from the way Elaine describes it, it was several hours of her sitting there and like communing and talking. But what she came up with eventually was that there were five people buried there. They had been buried alive like there was a collapse or something, <gasps> like a tunnel collapse. It was three men and two women. And they were very angry. 
and because they didn't understand the passage of time and why they were there. And, um, they wanted to, the people to feel what they had felt pressure, immobility mm. and suffocation. Did she tell this medium about her experiences beforehand? No. I mean, I don't know how much was told by Joe, but the whole like experience, like she met them when they came to the house and she did not divulge any information. So she worked a long time to cross them over. I don't know how much people believe about that, but um, she worked a long time to cross them into the light. And everybody said after she said she was done that they could feel a difference in the energy. And so then she moved upstairs and she also, she's like, we're not done. There's other stuff here. She ended up going all the way up to the third floor. And she um, said that there was a suicide in that room, that there was a woman that was unbalanced and that she had killed herself. So, um, yeah, so she had said that... The unbalanced woman and the, it, there had been a suicide. And so then Elaine told her about the story of the woman there. And she was like, I don't care. The medium said, I don't care what story you've heard. There was a suicide in this room. So because the knows? story was the woman had a heart attack and fell in. And then the man had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so who knows, but she helped to cross them over as well. And then she closed the vortex and then she did some extra work. Like she did all of that with everybody there. And then everybody gathered, you know, afterwards to kind of talk about their experiences and, and, uh, the medium went off and did some more stuff before she felt like she was done. Elaine was kind of skeptical. She was worried. I mean, because she wanted an end to everything, but she was also kind of skeptical. She was worried that it wouldn't work, that it would have an opposite effect, but it seemed to work. So did they, t- the medium go to the garage? Cause I think I would right? take them there. Cause yeah. the smell that came from it, not just that it was yeah. creepy. And, and the, the Bible. Bible. <laughs> well, I mean, but at medium, I mean, I'm medium and Bible. I don't know if that's a connection, but like the smell was coming from there. So there's some sort of activity there. Oh, the, and why was the Bible there? And whatever reason the Bible was there yeah. might have drawn the median. Like, yeah, it so that's interesting. Or... I wonder about that. Well, and I, um, she doesn't mention anything about going to the garage, so I don't think she went to the garage. But I did skip over. So it was the big bedroom up on the third floor, the bedroom that Karen slept in, that the couple lived in and died in. There, in another bedroom, the medium said there was the spirits of three children that died in a fire in the house and she also helped them to cross over. So lots of tragedy in this house. And that's where I'm like, did that happen at the other location? I wonder if that happened before they, I don't know. It's just weird that it would be enough of a fire to kill three children and not enough to destroy destroy the the house. house. Yeah. I am a little skeptical of this medium person and all their stuff because I always am, but you said it worked. So I mean, Maybe the foundation was there and the kids she's seeing that died, died in the, in the house first that w- house. Before, and then well, because they, they moved, moved into the foundation house. and the kids ghosts took up residence. And there was also a neighbor on the block that said that their house was haunted by a little boy. And then there's another neighbor that said that they had also seen the same little boy in their house. So it makes you wonder if that whole area isn't haunted Mm, and they just don't, because I've heard of that. It doesn't have to be in your house. Like watching that kindred spirits, they talk about that a lot. Like it doesn't have to actually have happened in the house or be in the house. If there's a car accident and, 
at the intersection down there and somebody dies for some reason they're attracted to somebody in one of the houses here yeah um they they're not going to live like, on the corner necessarily they're going to find like i think right. spirits are attracted to, to other energy, energy. yeah right. well like if i died on at the intersection i might gravitate to your house because you're my sister you know so Don't who knows die. no no dying happening I mean, not right today. now so after that, the quote words used in the book was, for the most part, it was free of paranormal activity. <laughs> okay. For the most part, after that, it was free from paranormal activity. They did have one experience that stood out that enough for her to write about it, where th- there was one night, the doorbell rang, Elaine got up, opened the door, there was like what looked to be a policeman standing up against the, the gate to the yard, just leaning there. And then he dissipated. Ah! So she went back and told her husband, Matthew, cause she had remarried at that point. And then a few nights later, like they had said some prayers for this ghost, the spirit, whatever. And then a few nights later, they heard the doorbell ring again and she was going to get up and answer it. And Matthew was like, no, wait. And they didn't hear it ring a second time. And he thought that was the spirit letting him know that he was leaving. That was, mm. that was a, but otherwise it was that's mostly more like a paranormal. community ghost. If he's yeah. like a police officer outside <laughs> ringing doorbell. Matthew sounds a lot nicer than no name. Oh, yes. 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 So that is my story of the haunted house from at the time that she wrote the book, which the second edition was released 2001. So I'm not sure exactly. It took her a long time. She said to get up the courage to write about it, but the, they still lived in the house. It sounded like. Wow. So. Well, that's really interesting. That's cool. That was a fun story. Now they'll die in the house and add to the spirits. Oh, hooray. Hooray. Maybe they'll be at peace when they die and they will go move on. It's the same. They will go away. Even if I am at peace when I die, can I choose to be a ghost? I'm choosing to be a ghost. I'm choosing to be a ghost. ghost. (laughs) I mean, God gave us free will that extends into ghost time. Absolutely. I choose not to die. I, I do know lasagna. that song. I want some lasagna. All right, we can move on to things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. That was flat. Yeah. Jeez. I know. You were just improvising. <clears throat> can I go first? Yes, go first. Uh, my thing that doesn't suck is that almost two weeks ago or so, I can't math, I had the opportunity to see my chibling <gasps> banana perform oh. in their recital. And I only cried twice. I still haven't seen it. I got to see my squonk, too. Yeah. It was really, (laughs) it was really good. Big boo. Big boo. What does that mean, big boo? I was just bad. (laughs) It was so good. I cried twice. And then yesterday, um, Used to Be Me came on the radio because Matt and I were listening to musicals. And I cried again thinking of him <laughs> singing that song so i just thought it was really cool to get to see you perform because you have such a good voice and you're so good you were. it was really fun Yay. and i was in the midst of recovering from COVID. i mean i was fine to be outside <laughs> i wasn't spreading it but i was in the midst of a really shitty time and i was like oh that's fun and you did a great job with your banter in between songs. Yeah, you were so damn cute. <laughs> you were like, I have a million aprons, and I don't know. You were really cute. That was all that I had. All I had was aprons to change into. <laughs> it was good. You wore a hat. <clears throat> I did. I wore a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see the video still. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. Who wants to go next? Um, I'll go. So, 
what doesn't suck is that it's possible and I'm hopeful that we're finding a remedy for Evie feeling like she's dying all the Yay! time. Yay! Poor Evie. Mm-hmm. I she's, hope that we find something to I help know. her. We have some good doctors oh. helping you though, yeah. right? Yep. Well, and she's so funny because like she plays it off so much and finally one day she's like because i feel so horrible i'm like well then why didn't you tell me that she's like i don't know i just didn't want it to seem as bad i'm like oh my god poor baby right so she finally was like real about how bad she actually feels well she needs to be that she needs to be real about it yes so but anyway yay 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 Yay, doctors You got one, Hannah? Boo, doctors. Um, (laughs) My thing that doesn't suck is that I'm done with school for now. For approximately a couple of months. (laughs) Now you get a break, and that's great. Cool. My thing that doesn't suck... (laughs) My thing that doesn't suck is I went to Cozumel, and it took me... Three days to get to a point where I could enjoy it with one day after that where I was really homesick for half the day. But then by the time it came to leave, I didn't want to go home. So that is how I vacation. Anxious mind right there. It would have identify. Take, it would have taken me less days to um, be in that mood to vacation if I hadn't fallen on the oh, second yeah. night and banged and the shit out of my legs. Yeah. Which and then got gaslit by a bug. Then got gaslit by a bug, which I still don't. Never had any fucking bite mark. But two nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was itching, that painful itch, mm. so bad I couldn't go back to sleep. Did you kill the bug? Because maybe it's haunting your foot. <laughs> no, George tried to, but it crawled into a crack oh, right. and it ran away. Little fucker. As I was running, because my, my, when I hurt myself, my first instinct is to run away and hide. I don't know why. So when I fell, I would like hit the ground hard on my knees on this rock path, right? And George is like, oh, are you okay? And I was all, no. And then I got up and ran to the room. And then the next night when the bug bit me, I was all, fuck, I just got bit. And then I like tried to turn around and look to see if I could see the bug. And then George came over and he's like, there it is. And I like looked at it, but it hurt so bad. I was like, no. And I like had my hand. I was holding my foot in my hand and hobbling to the room. I was like, no. And I didn't have a key. So then I had to stand on the porch going, ah, ah, because it hurts so bad. Like imagine stepping on a giant piece of jagged glass i mean it hurt so bad it was so fucking weird but then i had fun if everyone said that those bugs shouldn't even sting that much then it must have had some sort of supernatural no what i think uh, it was was a minute pirate bug i got bit by a pirate he was riding on a bigger bug no they're just called minute pirate bugs i don't know why (laughs) but they bite you and they have (laughs) how did you get riding another bug out of minute pirate pirates listen pirates go and like steal other people's ships and stuff so I thought, minute, like you couldn't see it, and it was riding on another oh, bug. So it was like a flea riding another bug. It was minute. Yeah, like very small. You couldn't really see it, but a much more oh potent my God. bug 
riding the less dangerous bug. And so that everyone's like, well, that bug that Salem says she got bit by isn't scary, but they don't know there's a small <laughs> bug that actually bit Top her. of that normal oh, bug. Hilarious. <laughs> I, am, no. I am unsure how serious you are right now and how much you're just trying to make a joke. Well, I thought, I genuinely was trying to figure out what she meant by my oh. new pirate bug. And I thought maybe that's, that's what just, she meant. That's just what it's called. It's called the minute pirate bug. Oh. Um, but, and and it I looked saw. like it could have been it, but George was like, I don't know, but it was dark. Is there a non-minute pirate bug? Like a big? Pi- I don't think medium? so. Medium? I don't think so. <laughs> They're tiny anyways. Well... So anyway, that's my happy thought. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Doesn't seem like it should be your happy thought since we ended the on trip the, as a whole was the trip as a whole was my happy thought. And I enjoyed it. Yay. Yay. We can move on to um, saying goodbye, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Is it goodbye. time to go? Yeah. If you want to reach out to us, we are FFS. We, well, we are effed up family story time. You can find us at FFS the podcast at gmail.com we're on facebook we're on twitter e-f-f-e-d family story time yay all yay. right okay we did it we did it lasagna the huzzah matches the sounds of the